Likutei Sichos, Chelik Yudzayin, Volume 17, the first Sicha for Parshas Achrimois. This Sicha was originally said by the Rebbe as a Siyum in honor of his mother's Yorzeit on Avav Tishrei. We're only going to learn half of the Sicha, uh, the part which pertains mostly to our Parsha. And I would strongly recommend strongly encourage you to learn also the second half of the Sikha, which has a phenomenal uh, lesson in itself about the power of tshuva and the power of repentance, but uh, we're only going to be able to go over the first half of the Sikha. Uh, in this Sikha, we will learn to appreciate how a Yid should approach, should view all those things that we have in our life and their purpose. Let's begin. In our parsha, in chapter 16, verse 6, when it describes the avoida, the service of the Kohen Gadol, of the high priest on Yom Kippurim, on Yom Kippur, it says there, that he, the Kohen Gadol, should atone for himself, on behalf of himself, and behalf of his household. So the Chazal tell us, the sages tell us, that Beisai, what it means here when it says his household, quote, it means Ishtoi, his wife. So we learn from this a very important rule in the laws of Yom Kippur, in the service of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur. That the Kohen Gadol, one of the most important criteria is that he has to be a married man. He has to have a wife in order to be fit to serve on Yom Kippur. Now this din, this rule, that he has to be married, is exclusively for Yom Kippur. The rule is that the entire year, although the Kohen God didn't have any formal duties that he had to, that he was required to do, but the rule is that the Kohen Gadol makriv chelik beroish, meaning he always can go on the head of all, all, all over the, all of the other Kohenim, and he can decide and choose which avoid he wants to do, and he doesn't have to be in the line of the lottery that they would make in order to see who gets to serve on that particular day and in what particular service. However, he, there's no prerequisite, there's no criteria that he has to be married in order to do those services. So we need to understand. It seems that the day of Yom Kippur, which is the holiest day in the year, and all the avoidas, all the service that was done in the Beis Hamikdash, are of the holiest order, it would seem to need to require some kind of explanation why is it that he needs to meet this criteria of being married. Think about it. The day of Yom Kippur, on all levels, is the holiest and the loftiest day. First of all, in time-wise, it's the holiest day of the year. The place, because the fact is that the service, the highlight of the service of that day, was in the holiest place of the entire world, namely the Kodesh HaKadosh, in the Holy of Holies. And also, it had to be done exclusively. All the Avodis, all the services in the Beis HaMikdash had to be done on that day by the holiest person of all, the holiest soul that exists down here in this world, by the Kohen Gadol himself. And the question actually becomes even stronger when one is familiar with the description of the Mishnah, the description of the Talmud, where it describes that seven days prior to Yom Kippur, they would already quarantine, they would isolate the Kohen Gadol from his family, from his wife, in order to maintain 
and to ascertain that he is in the purest of state, that he should be exclusively available for the avoider, for the service of Kippur, so he would not be able to spend any time with his family and especially with his wife. So the question then again is, why is it that he has to have this criteria met, namely that he has to be a married man, that he has to have a wife? Now, the truth is, if we were to analyze this halacha, this din, this particular criteria in the in Godless service on Yom Kippur, we have actually two ways, two different approaches to look at it. From the one hand, we can say perhaps this is a law, this is a rule in the avoida of Yom Kippur, in the service of Yom Kippur, meaning that the service of Yom Kippur calls for it to be done by a Kohen Gadol who's married, or we can look at it from a different angle and say, no, this is a, a prerequisite, this is a criteria in the Kohen Gadol himself, that on this day of Yom Kippur, he has to be a married man. What would be the difference between these two approaches? In other words, where would there be a practical ramification if we look at it this way or that way? So there are many services that were done throughout the day of Yom Kippur, which were not particularly connected to Yom Kippur. For example, the Karban Tamid, which was the daily offering that would be born on every single day of the year, or the Haktar, the Ktoiris, for example, the incense that was offered every single day, that too, on Yom Kippur, had to be done by the Kayin Gadol. So technically speaking, if we were to follow the first approach, if we were to follow the thinking that this is a prerequisite, this is a criteria for the avoida of Yom Kippur exclusively, then it would come out, technically speaking, that if the Kayin Gadol was not married, and he did those avoides, he did those services, which are typically done on a daily basis, that they would be kosher, they would be fit, they would be acceptable. However, if we were to follow this second approach, says, which says that no, it's, it's a prerequisite, it's a criteria in the Kohen Gadol himself, meaning that he himself, in order to be fit to serve that day, has to be a married man, then it would come out that any service that's done on that day, meaning even those that are done throughout the entire year and are not exclusive to Yom Kippur, they too would not be fit, they would not be kosher if they were done by a Kohen Gadol who's not married. It actually comes out from the Rambam, Maimonides, who was one of the supreme authorities on the Avoida in the base Amikdash, on the service base Amikdash, in the verbiage, the way he presents the halacha, it would come out that he sides with the second approach, the second way of looking at it. Because the wording in the Rambam is as follows, quote, so too all the other services on this day, for example, the offering of the incense and the preparation of the candles, uh, the, the candles of the menorah and so on and so forth, all have to be done by a Kohen Gadol who is married. So in order to understand this, to understand this point, why is it that I am Kippur? The Kohen Gadol must be a married man. And this applies to everything that's on Yom Kippur. We actually need to preface with a very interesting question that really comes up when we look at this verse and we match it against what the Chazal tell us. You see, usually, when in Torah Shabal Peh, in the Oral Law, in the Talmud, we have an explanation, an elaboration on a word in the Torah or certain words in the Torah, Usually what happens is you have one very concise statement in the Torah, 
And the Chazal, the sages, expand on it. They give us insight. They give us some, some elaboration as to what it means in so many words, more than what the Torah said. However, here, first of all, it's very curious if all it means when it says Beisai, when it says, quote, his household, if it means his wife, why didn't the Torah just say it in the first place? And moreover, it's not like in the Gemara, it's not like in the Talmud, we have a lengthy explanation as to what Beisai means. Chazal give us just one word. And Chazal say, what is Beisai? What is, quote, his household? Ishtoi, his wife. So the question is, what is it about this whole thing that instead of saying his wife, the Torah chose to say his household. And yet it means his wife, and that's all it means. It doesn't mean more than that. And therefore we have to, we have to conclude from this that the Torah is not only telling us, quote, that he has to be married, but that he has to be married in such a mode, in such a state of mind, that his marriage, his wife, is his household. What does that all mean? How do we explain that? The answer will be understood based on a very interesting uh, statement that's made in a different Mesechta, in a different tractate in the Talmud, not the tractate which discusses the laws of Yom Kippur, but rather the tractate of Shabbos. And there is a very interesting statement. It says, quote, Rabbi Yaisi said, I never called my wife my wife, but rather I referred to her as my home, my household. And likewise, my ox, and what an ox was used for in those days is to plow the fields. I never called my ox ox, but rather I called it my field. And the question, and Rashi explains that what's behind the statement, that since the ultimate purpose of one getting married to a wife is to establish a home, to have children and to have a household, therefore he called his wife, he called her Basie, my home. And likewise, the ox, what was the purpose in owning an ox? In order to plow the field, in order to be able to have the sustenance that grows from the field. Therefore, he referred to the ox not as an ox, but as a, as his field. This statement, this um, anecdote about how Rabbi Yossi referred to his wife and his ox comes in continuation of other interesting and very poignant um, uh, uh, conduct and, 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 um, and pious ways of, of behavior of Rabbi Yossi as described in the Gemara. And the question is, what really is the big deal? What really is this all about that Rabbi Yossi made an emphasis in calling his wife, calling her not his wife, but calling her his household? What is this all about? The explanation is as follows. In this we see Rabbi Yossi's approach to everything in his life, to everything in the world. Of course, all of us recognize when we see any part of creation, any part of you know, the things in our life, we understand and we appreciate that when you look at something, you don't just see the thing itself, but you also see the fact that, quote, Yesh balabayis lebirazu, that there is somebody who runs this world. In other words, that everything comes from Hashem and everything has a purpose because of that, because it was created by Hashem. However, Rabbi Yossi took it to another level. 
Not only did he generally look at everything as it coming from Hashem, and that Hashem is in charge, and Hashem runs it, and Hashem has a purpose for it, but he actually saw the purpose in it. In other words, he didn't just see the thing itself for what it is, but he saw the ultimate purpose, the objective in that thing, why that thing is here, what, why that thing is part of his life, and what, it, what role it plays in his life. And therefore, in his world, in his way of looking at things, the only expression that he can have when he looks at his wife, and he refers to his wife, is he looks at the purpose, the objective of why one marries a wife, and he saw in it the purpose of having a family. And just an interesting application of this you know, point of view, of this way of looking at things, which actually has a halachical, a practical halachical application. And that is, there's an interesting question, an interesting discussion as to why when one marries under the chuppah, which is a mitzvah, there is a mitzvah to get married. The Rambam, Maimonides, actually enumerates it as one of the 613 mitzvahs. So the question is, usually when we do a mitzvah, in the performance of any type of mitzvah, we recite a blessing. We make a bracha. How come there's no bracha that the chassan makes before he puts the ring on the finger of the kala and he says, How come there's no bracha? To, 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 to get married. How come there's no bracha? And the answer that's given, very apropos to what we're discussing, is that since marriage in itself is not the ultimate purpose, the purpose of marriage and the end result of it is what? The objective of it is that through that, one establishes and one, Be'ezus Hashem, with God's help, has a family, has children. So that is the ultimate purpose. That is the ultimate objective, that mitzvah of having a family, of having children. And therefore, it's not appropriate to say a bracha on something which is only a prerequisite for the ultimate objective itself. So Rabbi Yossi had... An interesting approach. This is not to say that Rabbi Yossi differed from all the other sages, that they were wrong. The fact is, the fact is that all the sages were correct. The sages themselves obviously did not have this ultimate mode of, uh, uh, of, of attitude towards their wife, towards their ox, and so on. In other words, when they referred to their wife as wife, as their woman, as the person they're married to, that is also correct according to the Torah. This is not to say that they were wrong. Because the, even from the Torah itself, we find many times that the Torah refers to married life as a man and a woman. Exclusive from the basic aspect of it, the household aspect of it, the children aspect of it. For example, when the Torah describes how those who are you know, exempt from going out to war for example, one who is just newly wed, and they're still in the first year of marriage, the Torah says, es He should go back home to bring happiness and to spend time with his wife. The Torah doesn't speak anything about Beisoy, about his household. Or, for example, the famous statement of Chazal, which says, Ish v'isha, a man and a woman. Notice it doesn't say anything about children. Zachu, if they merit, Shechina b'neim, the Shechina is between them, the Shechina is with them. 
God's presence. So you see that that when a woman in itself is also an objective. However, Rabbi Yossi took it to the next level. Rabbi Yossi didn't just look at it as it is in the moment, but he looked at it for what the ultimate purpose of it is, what the ultimate objective is. And the same is not only for when it come to and it came to how he views ma- you know mankind or even his wife you know a, a jewish woman this even came to different things objects that that he uh, that he owned in the world even his ox he didn't just look at it look at it as as he owns an ox but he viewed it as what is the purpose what is the ultimate objective why do i have this ox why did hashem make this ox for the work for the wheat for the for the for the sustenance that it produces and therefore he referred to it as such. Therefore, that was his way of referring to it. In other words, Rabbi Yossi was on a much higher level. Rabbi Yossi was exclusive in his way, in his attitude, in how he viewed things. Rabbi Yossi had a very special way, very unique way, that the Torah is highlighting. The Talmud highlights in we sharing it with us, not to tell us that everybody else's attitude is wrong, but to tell us that this is a great ideal. This is a cut above. This is beyond, you know, the, the norm, the beyond the regular attitude that one should have. And we see this actually very interestingly, that this comes in continuation of another very interesting anecdote that the Talmud shares with us. The Talmud says that Rabbi Yisi said, quote, five times... I had marital relations, and each one of those times I planted a cedar, meaning a very strong, firm uh, a tree, a very firm uh, growth within Israel. And that's referring to his five great sons, which each one was a great sage in their own right. Now, of course, this doesn't mean, and it's a whole separate discussion that God forbid he didn't keep his uh, marital vows and his marital contract, but this means that he saw this to be the objective and the, the sole purpose of him being married. Not just to be married, but to have these five special sons that he had. So this will help us understand that when it comes to Yom Kippur, which is such a special day, which is such a unique day, this day is a day, like we mentioned in the beginning, above and beyond all days. And the service of that day is above and beyond all the services because it takes the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, into the ultimate place in the entire world in the Kodesh HaKadoshim and the Holy of Holies. On this day, tells us the Torah, one, at least the Kohen Gadol, who is the one, has to be in the mode, in the mindset just as the Gemara, as the Talmud describes Rabbi Yossi, who was all the time in that mindset. But on Yom Kippur, on this special unique day, the Kohen Gadol has to possess a unique mindset. Namely, that it's not just that he's married, it's not just his wife, but he's on a whole different level. On a level in which he sees the ultimate. He views things in their ultimate state, in their ultimate purpose. That is the ultimate connection to Hashem. And according to this, we can better understand what we discussed earlier, that the, the, this criteria of the Kohen Gadol being married is actually a criteria not in the day, but in the Kohen Gadol himself. He has to be at the utmost level in order to serve on this day in all of the services, period.